0: So my husband Jason has a pretty hairy chest. And do you remember that one Austin Powers movie where Kristen Johnson's character, Ivana Humps a lot, rips open his shirt and she says, Oh, you are hairy, like animal. I probably recite that line to my husband at least once a month, and so we got the Manscaped Performance Package 4.0, and it has their lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, weed whacker, ear and nose hair trimmer, which Jason said is more gentle and trims better than any other ear and nose trimmer he's ever used before. Those were his exact words. And several other amazing products, but the lawnmower 4.0 features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents. This fourth-generation trimmer is waterproof and also has an LED spotlight, and he said he Appreciates that because the lighting in our shower isn't the greatest. Manscaped just launched their new Boxers 2.0 that are packed with features, including the Jewel Pouch, which is designed to cradle his boys in their own special space. So, whether he's mowing the lawn, taking out the trash, or golfing in the sun, these moisture wicking boxers breathe without breaking a sweat. Quick story. So my husband used to go to this gym where he came home one time and he told me that in the locker room, there was this older gentleman that had was naked and he had leaned up against the counter and was washing his balls in the sink. So ever since then, we kind of joke about it. And I mean, maybe if this man had these boxers, he wouldn't feel the need. To do that. But anyway, get 20% off and free shipping with the code NOISE at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code NOISE. My husband loved it. It's a great gift for any man in your life, whether or not he's hairy like an animal
1: we often use the phrase, make new friends and meet new people synonymously, but the two are not the same. And making friends refers to the art of cultivating something meaningful with another person.
0: You're listening to Make Some Noise Podcast, episode number 455 with guest Danielle Bayard Jackson. Welcome to Make Some Noise Podcast Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. I am so glad that you are here. So I just got home from speaking at Mark and Angel Chernoff. They they were guests on my podcast last year. They have an annual event called Think Better, Live Better. And I was in my hotel room, I think it was on the second day. It's a two-day event. And I was thinking to myself, you know what these events are? They're food for my soul. And I have missed it so much over the last couple of years, and All that to say, I hope that you are getting together with people who are like-minded spirits, whether it's a group of girlfriends, whether it's coworkers, happy hour or coffee, you know, coworkers that you like, (laughs) hopefully, or really awesome events like that where it's all about personal development and bettering yourselves and learning and evolving. And I don't know, there's just something incredibly powerful about being in a room with other people who have a common goal in mind. You might be on completely different parts of the path, but you're all on the same path. You're all on the same journey, and that journey is called life. Uh, so without getting too philosophical, I uh, I just hope that you have that. Um, speaking of, there is still a couple of days left if you listen to this podcast in real time, or live, or however you say it, uh, for early bird pricing for The Daring Way Retreat and i hope that you are and, and shout out to Jackie who i ran into at the orlando airport who was at disney with her family and recognized me like there's <laughs> i don't get recognized very often like literally once every few years it happens very rarely but when i do it's always it's always um super fun and And Jackie, you asked me about the the retreat, and I would love to have you. But there's a handful of spots left, and early bird pricing ends on June 10th, and I would really love to have you there. If you're on the fence and you have some questions that are not answered on the info page, scroll down to the bottom of that page, andreaowen.com slash retreat, and there's a link in there for you to book a quick call with me. Speaking of friendships... We had Shasta Nelson on, Shasta Nelson, excuse me, on a few weeks ago. And today we have another friendship expert. And I just, I think we can't hear enough about this from different experts. And I couldn't just have one person on talking about, about it. And so today we have the lovely Danielle Byard Jackson. And so for those of you who are new to her, let me tell you a little bit about her. Danielle Byer-Jackson is a certified friendship coach and national speaker dedicated to teaching women how to create and maintain meaningful female friendships. She has been featured in NBC News for her expertise, and her advice has been quoted in several other media outlets, including Psychology Today, Well and Good, the Tampa Bay Times, and The Insider. Danielle shares her Insight Weekly on the Friend Forward podcast, answering women's most pressing questions about navigating conflict in female friendships. Her advice of connection, loneliness, and socializing has gone viral on TikTok, and her following of 176,000 plus continues to grow. So without further ado, here is Danielle. Thank you so much for being here.
1: Oh, thank you for having me. I'm excited to have this conversation.
0: I'm excited to talk to you. We were definitely having one of those chit chats where the hour could go by and we can just be chatting about all different things that have nothing to do with recording for the audience. So um, we are ready to talk about friendships. And I I love this topic so much. I actually have a best friend that I've, um, she came into my life in 2009 and it has been the most... Um, probably the most, I don't have any other word for it except mature. It's like the most mature friendship uh, with a woman that I've ever had in Mm. my life. And by mature, I just mean we have both been on the personal development journey and learned how to communicate and learned how to have really difficult conversations that are honest, but loving and kind. And so I often hear I'm so jealous of your relationship with Amy, like, you know, tell us how you found each other, tell us how you have that, that friendship. And so I am so excited to have you come on to talk about this. And so let's start with, cause I love science and can you tell us what are some research based ways a woman can create both create and maintain platonic relationships, their friendships? Yeah, and
1: I I appreciate you starting with your story because you know when I do speak to different people who are in in strong friendships, they tell me that a question that they often get is people being like, "How did you form this? How do I, you know, did you maintain it?" That's
0: that's yeah. How do you keep Mm. it
1: going? Yeah, and what's funny is you know I'm in the middle of writing my book right now, uh, fighting for our friendships, and I'm learning a lot about you know research-based evidence regarding the fragility of women's friendships specifically. So it's not just in our head, and I could see why they're. You know, jealous of what you've got going on and, and want that for themselves. You know, research tells us that, you know, it's not our income status or our marital status that is the single greatest factor contributing to our life satisfaction and well-being. It's the quality of our relationships. So I think there's something kind of intuitive for the person who's like hungry for friendship, mm-hmm. um, because it's the it's the the biggest thing that's going to determine if you are satisfied with your life. So when it comes to making friends to satisfy that need, you know, the first tip I like to give is to Start with the people, you know, which I know is not like a sexy revolutionary Mm -hmm. tip, but, you know, research also points to a lot of the people who become our friends serve another role beforehand. So she was your neighbor or your stylist or your classmate, you know, and so we have to look at what we already have and start to entertain the idea of turning these people into friends. Um, I always say that we often use the phrase make new friends and meet new people synonymously, but the two are not the same. And making friends refers to the art of cultivating something meaningful with another person. And who says that has to start from scratch? So can you look at the people who are already in your network and decide to be intentional about reaching out and, 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 trying to create something, um, that's a little bit deeper. Um, the second tip I like to give is to, um, make your desire known. A mm-hmm. lot of us feel, oh, maybe a little, sh- maybe a little shame or embarrassment around saying like, man, I would like some more friends, but it's like, if I could put all the women I've had sessions with in a room, I think they'd just be like, oh my gosh, like there are other people just like me who are hungry for connection. So can you reach out to somebody who I like to refer to as a super connector, these extroverts who like to like bring people together? Could you reach out to person and say, hey, I'm trying to get more plugged in and I thought of you because you're always out and about and doing something fun with people. And I just was wondering, is there anything around town you, you think is worth checking out? You know, the mm-hmm. the subtext there is the same. I'm saying I'd like to get connected with other people. But I'm saying anyway, that's very matter of fact. And you'd be surprised how eager people are to help you if only you would make it known. Um, And then the final tip I'd give is when you show up to a place, uh, consider going more than once. And with you become a regular somewhere, like at a coffee shop or, or somewhere that you go to frequently, can you do it with consistency? because that tends to breed familiarity with the other people who are there. And that's a good foundation for creating something is just somebody who feels familiar and you see their face all the time. That's a good starting point. So those are some things that that are actionable like today, but they require a little courage and a little reframing.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay. I love that. It sounds so much like dating, like looking for an intimate partner. (laughs) It's not all that different, is it? I don't think so and
1: that's so funny. I, I always chuckle to myself when I see those comments on like my TikTok videos and things like that. People are like, "Oh my gosh, girl, this feels like dating." And I'm like, "Well, kind of." And, yeah. I, and I think maybe why it surprises us is because we have all this language around friendship like friends forever, best friends forever. So we think that like I make I make this friend and then I'm done. I'm right. set. And that's not the case. And so the idea of having to continuously make friends, start conversations, see if you like her, see if you're compatible. You know, it's it's it it is having a lot of parallels to the romantic world.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm curious what kind of advice you would give give to this because I get pushback sometimes when when a client might ask me i am i have this acquaintance you know she's my neighbor she's another mom at my kid's school and we have a lot of chemistry when we get together but we don't see each other that often and i would really like to to get to know her better and i don't know what to do and i always say you have to I mean, tell her it's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to feel awkward. And you can even say that you can preface it and say something like this feels really awkward. Like, like I'm asking you on a date, but I really love hanging out with you. I dig you. I think you're really cool. And I would love to go and have coffee or even have like a play date with our kids so we can get to know each other better. What do you think? And I get like deer in the headlights. (laughs)
1: Like, <laughs> I love that you say that. I love that. That's your advice. It would be my advice too. Okay. <laughs> I'm not throwing people in the deep end. I'm like, good luck with life. You know, like, <laughs> I'm like, that's a horrible idea. That's horrible. <laughs> yeah. No, it starts with, you know, kind of goes back to that theme of saying what you want. And I know it feels weird. And to your point, sometimes we can soften the awkwardness by calling it out. Yeah. And I mean, who doesn't want to hear, like, man, I like you. You're interesting. Mm-hmm. I want to spend time with you. I think we want to feel desired even in our platonic relationships. So start. Starting by telling her you enjoy her company, I feel like is a, is a really great place to start.
0: Yeah, I did this, um, gosh, it's been, it must've been pre-COVID, but I played tennis with, there was probably a group of like 15 women. And there was this one woman, her name's Shannon, and she was so funny and we got along so well. We definitely had chemistry. And she sent me a text one day. It was like during the day, she's like, I know this is super last minute, but do you want to go see a movie? And I I couldn't go. And because I was so happy that she reached out and asked me and I was bummed that I couldn't go. I said, today is, is, it's a bad day. I've got back-to-back appointments, but please ask me again. Or um, I could have said something like, um, do you want to do something next week? Instead of just saying, no, no, thank you. Because... I mean, we're humans, you know, then she might feel like, oh, maybe she doesn't really want to hang out with me. You know, like we make up all these stories. So I made a point to say, I'm so glad that you asked. I'm so glad that you reached out. Please ask me again.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I love that for you too. That's, that's really sweet. And I wish more of us could do that. Sometimes we have to kind of just like flip the perspective for a second. And so a lot of us will say, well, you know, I guess they're not interested. Like they haven't texted me. She hasn't reached out. I guess she's just too busy. I guess, you know, I I'm more invested than she is. Oh, wow. I get her message loud and clear. But if I were to ask you, okay, well, who is somebody who you, whose company you enjoy well enough but you haven't gotten around to it or you're a little nervous that she like would reject you okay is it possible that she could be operating under the same conditions that she's either fearful of rejection or that mm-hmm. she's got so much going on with the kids and she'd like to, you know, hang out with you. But currently she's struggling to just tend to the things that are the most urgent every day, you know? And so, you know, it's, it's the reframing, but I, I love that. That was something you communicated to your friend.
0: Well, uh, thank you. It came with a lot of failed experiences, <laughs> like well <laughs> into my forties now. Um, what advice would you give first? Cause I hear this a lot too. Like when someone is in a friendship, like I actually have a client right now who goes on walks like a couple times a week with her neighbor. And she says, I share things with her and tell her a little bit more vulnerable and intimate things about my life, but she doesn't share anything about hers. She's super private. She's too, super tight-lipped and it's beginning to feel one-sided and I don't know how to approach it. So how would, would you assume, would you just say that someone should move on or what advice do you have for that?
1: Yeah. So that's tricky. I just had a client with the same issue. She has a mom friend and she feels like she's always confessing her hardships and how difficult it is, but the other woman just listens, but Uh never says oh yeah. my gosh, me too. I struggle too. And so it doesn't feel like a rewarding uh friendship for her. And, you know, it's a balance. There's a balance between we definitely want to respect other people's natural pacing for self-disclosure and, and we want to be mindful. But, you know, we also have a desire for reciprocity in all of its forms, especially, especially women when it comes to sharing, mm-hmm. because that's how we kind of measure and um establish trust and closeness. So I don't want to feel like I'm out here by myself telling you all these things like, you know, I I don't know you share something about yourself. And so, you know, sometimes there's, there's a couple things we could do. One, it can be direct and you can say like, you know what? Here I am rambling away. And I feel like even though we walk every day, I don't know much about you. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a way to kind of say it, but I'm not accusatory. I'm not like, gosh, I say all these things, but you don't, because who wants to respond at obligation like that? Right. Um, and then also framing it this way allows her to choose what qualifies as revealing more of herself. It might be with a personal failure. It might just be with what she did that week, but letting her know, hey, I have a desire to know more about you. She might not realize that she's uh fallen into just listener mode and doesn't share as much. And so mm-hmm. that's a way to invite her instead of accuse her is to to express a desire. But if after making it known, you still, you still feel like it's not enough, um, then find a way to maybe manage what you share. So there's no resentment and feeling like I share more than she does, or, you know, turn to other friends who are as open and share the same desire for, you know, uh, self-disclosure.
0: Yes. Yeah, so it's not, it's not a matter of saying like, Oh, I've been talking so much. I would love to hear about all of your marriage struggles.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Right. It's (laughs) on the spot. Exactly. Yeah. And I always say too, you know, self-disclosure or or, or maybe I should say vulnerability takes more forms, you know, other than self-disclosure. But I know a lot of times when we think about vulnerability, our minds go straight to like an image of us like bawling our eyes out or telling a secret about what happened when we were 10. And I always say like, that's like a level 10, but vulnerability, the best way I've heard it described was from uh, Dr. Marissa Franco. And she said, it means you feel comfortable taking a risk being rejected. And so Mm -hmm. that doesn't necessarily have to happen with the big, ones it could happen with like a level one or two so an example i often give is you know let's say i join a new friend group and they say oh danielle you know we we meet for brunch every other saturday but you know since you're new to the group how about you pick out the restaurant that we go to next week there might be a little bit of hesitation inside of me because i'm thinking oh gosh like what if i pick something and they think it's lame or -hmm. it's like too expensive or too cheap or whatever but i'm just i'm just gonna go for it i'm just gonna pick a place and that's where we're gonna go there's a little vulnerability in that for me because there's a chance they might reject what I'm offering on the table. And so, as long as we look at it that way, you know, one and two vulnerabilities, level ones and twos, could consist of, you know, trying something new in front of your friend and you might look a little foolish, but you're going to do it anyway, uh-huh. or, you know, telling her that you like her. Like you mentioned just a couple moments ago, that is vulnerability because there's a chance she does not feel the same way. And yeah. so, can you see the other ways that she's sharing vulnerably or doing 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 vulnerable things that don't necessarily look like her telling you about her divorce or her addictions or her traumas, you know?
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you've mentioned level one and level two a couple of times. Can you explain what that is? I'm making assumptions of what it is, but I would love to know exactly what it is
1: oh yeah just in terms of uh in, in terms of vulnerability and i use it kind of arbitrarily but meaning like you know level one could be saying uh man i really enjoy talking to you like we have to do this again it's a level one like mm-hmm. i i'm not gonna feel super betrayed or devastated if she doesn't follow up on my coffee you know okay. invitation but i did put myself out there a level 10 might be you know sharing a difficulty I'm having in my marriage and if she you know shares this with somebody else I'm gonna feel really exposed like that might be like a a level 10, you know, mm-hmm. level five might be me saying, you know, might be me telling her, you know, something she did that made me feel some kind of way, which yeah. we don't consider vulnerability is addressing things inside of the friendship. And maybe I don't make it, you know, awkward and intense, but saying like, listen, you know, you mentioned this the other day and I don't know. I always. Get a little cringy whenever you use that word. It makes me feel some kind of way. You yeah. know, hopefully she's responding with, oh, my gosh, I had no, I had no idea. That's my bad. I didn't mean it like that, but I hear you. And we move on. Right. you know. But even having the courage to tell a friend, hey, what you did or said rubbed me the wrong way um, is risky. Because yeah. we don't want to lose the friendship. So that's vulnerable too. And so there's kind of like the scale of like what feels risky to you, but it's going to be different for each person. And the last thing I'll say on this is uh, there are often people who try to manufacture closeness with other women by sharing, and that is oh, I've done that wow. so many times. Yeah. Oh, and I gossip. Have too. I think gossip. Yeah. yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. oh my gosh. Which research shows that we actually do feel close to people when they, when we there's something in common that we don't like, you know. So being mm-hmm. like, oh my gosh, she's so annoying. Oh my god, I know she's annoying. So it works. I don't know that it's sustainable in the in a friendship, but it or works, doesn't build trust
0: because I know if you're yeah. talking about somebody else, you're talking about me. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> I'm like, oh versa.
1: give me the yeah, I'm like, oh, give me the tea, but I'm not telling you any of my business. <laughs> yep. So mm-hmm. you know, we just have to be mindful of all those things, but but when we get it right and we find a rhythm, it can make for a very rewarding friendship.
0: I'm interrupting this conversation to bring you a few words from some of our sponsors. I got a compliment on my skin the other day by a woman when I was getting coffee and I almost threw my arms around her. I wasn't wearing any makeup when she said that and I cannot remember the last time I got a compliment on my skin. And I told her it's Night Shift from DearBrightly.com. Night Shift is a dermatologist formulated tretinoin serum tailored to your skin by doctors online. My goal was to even out my skin tone for days I don't wear makeup, which is most days. But when I do, I also wanted to have better skin texture so my makeup looks better when it's on my face. Tretinoin is the only FDA-approved retinoid to treat photoaging, which is premature skin aging due to long-term sun exposure, raise his hand. It can only be acquired through a prescription, and it's one of the most well-researched ingredients with over 50 years of research behind it. It takes some time to see results. It's not a quick process. It was about a month for me, but I'm super happy with how even and better my skin looks. It's super easy. You start by sharing your skin story, then a doctor will evaluate your skin and skin history, They'll tailor your formula and write a prescription if applicable. Your tailored Tretinoin serum will be delivered to you in the mail. It's as simple as that. Head over to DearBrightly.com and enter promo noise to get 15% off your first order, which is the best offer that you'll find. That's N-O-I-S-E to get 15% off your first order at DearBrightly.com. This podcast sponsor has a product I use every day. I started taking AG1 because I wanted more energy, wanted to break my daily soda habit, and a friend of mine recommended it, so I gave it a shot. I was honestly skeptical that it would taste good because it looks super healthy, but it has a mildly sweet taste that's actually really good because I don't care how healthy it is. If it's not good, I'm not drinking it every day. So I was on and off AG1 for about six months, and then about a month ago, I decided to drink it every day and pay attention to how I felt. Here are some things I love about AG1. It supports mental clarity and alertness. Your subscription comes with a year's supply of vitamin D, which is so important to add in when we don't get as much sunlight as we should. And I know the vitamin D supplement that I started taking, it was this one, it was an immense game changer for me in terms of my daily sluggishness. And it's cheaper than getting all the different supplements yourself if you drink AG1. Right now, it's time to claim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. I put a little ice in it, and it is so yummy, and that's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. And To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash noise. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash noise to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. What advice do you have for women who have been hurt before in their, specifically in their female friendships? I know a lot of women come with, um, the mother wound is not uncommon, but specifically in their, in their friendships with women and they come to you and they say, I just don't trust women. I have not had great experiences and I just don't think th- that the friendships are worth it. How do you how do you work with someone on that?
1: Oh, I'm so glad you brought that up. A lot of people don't bring that up. It's all like fluffy friendship stuff. But I know that there are women who, for whatever reason, have almost like an aversion uh, to female friends. But what's Mm -hmm. so funny to me is, you know, I'm a female friendship coach, and those women are signing up uh, for coaching and insight, which says to me that there's a part of us that knows, even if they are the source of our pain, we know women to be the source of our our joy as well. And so Mm -hmm. they have a hunger for female companionship, which always astounds me. And so, you know, their experiences are totally valid. Some of them have had very traumatic things happen. And I always have two things to to say to that. The first is to look at the ways in which you anticipating rejection from another woman has affected how you show up with her and not to gaslight and be like, oh, it's your fault. That's that's not what I'm saying. But if I expect these women to have an attitude how did that affect how I walked in the room? Yeah. How did that affect whether I, I spoke to them or not, or if I went straight to the drinks and kind of rolled my eyes and sat down because I, I assume that you, you know, have an issue with me, you know, so little things like that, be mindful of. And then the second thing I would say is to, um, is to make it known if you do start to, you know, chat with a woman and she seems kind of cool, but you're, you're scared that it's only a matter of time before she shows her true colors, you know, to say that, to say like, man, I enjoy hanging out with you. I got to tell you, I haven't, you know, hung out with women in a long time because, you know, I had some things go down, but I'm, I'm really enjoying you. And I don't think that puts pressure on, but again, a lot of it goes back to being able to, say aloud the scary thing, but it helps Mm -hmm. to give context to other people like that communicates to me like, Ooh, okay. Like maybe I need to be more tender with her or it's very important to her that I show up when I say I'm going to show up, you know, so it helps for me to have that context, maybe with another woman, me canceling last minute, kind of annoying, but my friends get it, but maybe for you, that's going to be a big deal. And so, you know, it gives me the information I need to make sure that I can care for you, you know, in an appropriate way, uh, to the, to the right extent.
0: Yeah. I, I love all that. And I'm, I'm glad that you, um, that you mentioned that, that not a lot of, a lot of people bring it up, but I don't think it's that uncommon. I've had a couple mm-hmm. of people come to my retreats and, um, have said at the very end, I mean, cause it's a built in container. It's, it's it's on shame work. It's the daring way. It's the, you know, I'm trained and certified in Brene Brown's work. So we are there for a specific, like people aren't surprised when they walk in and like everybody's being vulnerable. So it's this, this space that I've created. And at the end I've had, I've had a handful of women say, and I didn't know this ahead of time. They said, I've always struggled in my my relationships with women and this. And it's not that they're leaving with, you know, BFFs forever and ever. Amen. It's just that they, it's sort of a, a seed planted in them that makes them feel like there are women out there who are, um, who are, you know, looking into their own evolving and wanting to have intimate, vulnerable friendships that they, that they nurture consciously and intentionally. So um, I just, it, it breaks my heart when I think about women in their thirties, forties, fifties, sixties, who just have, have kind of given up. And mm, I'm just, we're both out there saying like, don't give up. It's, it's out right. there and it's, I understand that it's painful and it's worth it.
1: Right. And, and I mean, like, look at you and I were having these conversations about women. I feel like sometimes we, I, I'm, I know there's a term for it, like in the psychology arena, but, um, maybe not. I don't think it's self-fulfilling prophecy, something else, but where, you know, if you expect it, then it happens. Maybe that is self-fulfilling prophecy, or you start to see evidence of the thing that you believe. But it's like, if I can encourage a woman who's listening, who is thinking like, I don't know, I'm done with women. I mean, right here, you're having, you're hearing a conversation take place between two women who love women who would be eager to love on you, you know? So let us be evidence of, you know, the, the other argument that you're not entertaining, the other possibility, which is, you know, it's never too late to form a bond with another woman who, who gets it,
0: Mm -hmm. you know? Mm
1: -hmm. So, um, something to keep in mind.
0: Okay. Kind of switching gears and it's almost, almost contradictory to what we were just talking about. You made a TikTok about female friendships and competition. So tell us your thoughts about what you, what you said is covert competition and female friendships and, and what can we do about it? If anything. Yeah. Oh, okay. So we can, <laughs> like, I have experience with this and I have the same, <laughs> ugh, like I think back how I was in my twenties and I'm like, I need to make some apology phone calls right now. Yeah. Oh my <laughs>
1: gosh. I, I need to do an apology tour as well. Um. You know, when it comes to competition, it gets such a bad rap, right? Because guys, we know to be competitive, but for a lot of us, we still see it as positive in that context. Like, oh yeah, they're competitive, like they, they push back and then they can, you know, come come back together again. And there's even research that says that they reconcile more often um, Mm. and faster than women do, which again, we kind of know, but it's interesting to hear the research around that. But when it comes to competition, we all do it. We all do it. And from like an evolutionary standpoint, you had to be competitive to maintain your resources. So it's not bad. We all do it. But when you, it comes to like uh, uh, a friendship and feeling like your friends competing with you, I always say, you know, um, if it gets to a point where it's self you know she's she's trying to sabotage your success and and when you share something really amazing that happened you know she can't bring herself to congratulate you or she finds a way to like point out the 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 flaw and the mm-hmm. thing that you're celebrating that's one thing but if you feel a little sense of competition i feel like a to a small degree that it's normal and the only reason i say that is because whenever you're in the company of other women it it makes you think about your own womanhood. Like if I'm in the company of a bunch of women, I might think that I'm not beautiful or question how I'm dressed or how I'm talking or you know my my presence because it's like a mirror. Like we are a representation of womanhood to each other and we're trying out different versions. So I might see different women and it makes me feel some kind of way by extension just because I'm in proximity to my mirrors of what it's like to be a woman in this world. And so I feel like that does give us some measure of like, competing, but I feel like if it's only to the the point of it's making you better, like, man, my friend, you know, finally bought that new house she's been aiming for. And gosh, I, man, I I want a house like that too. But what do I do with that feeling? Does it drive me to, you know, to do whatever it takes to get more serious about home ownership? Or am I chipping away at her house? And when I go over for the housewarming party, I point out the fact that like, the roof is sagging, you know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Like, what does that look like? Um, But yeah, but if you find yourself constantly in competition with other people, I just feel like that would be exhausting. Um, When do do you ever feel like, okay, I'm on top. And then also, do you want to feel like that with the people you befriend? Like, okay, I'm better than them. I mean, like, what Mm -hmm. does that say? So I feel like if that's an issue for someone, that's when I'm like, okay, you need to maybe go do some therapy work. And that's not my lane because until then, I don't know that you'd be able to even enjoy a healthy relationship with another person
0: if that's the goal the whole Mm -hmm. time. Yeah. Well, I, this is sort of just like a logistical question that I think like people, people are probably curious about how long does it take to make friends? Like if you like, what is realistic if someone say someone moves to a new city? And they, they do everything that you tell them to do. They, they join the groups. And like, for instance, I've, I've, I was recently feeling kind of lonely in my, my friendships here locally. And so I decided to join the PTO because I'm like, I know how to be around other women, <laughs> join these groups and, you know, go to the gym and like all these kind of, kind of the basics. And uh, for someone listening, who's either thinking about doing those things or planning it or, or is doing it, how long should they expect it to take? love
1: that question. So, you know, there's a research study out of the University of Kansas by Jeffrey Hall and he attempted to to quantify, you know, friendship making. What is what does that look like in terms of hours? And so, um he, they found that it takes about 50, five, zero hours to consider somebody a friend, 90 to consider them a close friend and 200 to consider them a best friend. And I normally, this is where people kind of gasp like, wait, shut your mouth. I do not have 200 hours <sighs> to, you know, and, and I have two things to say to the, the, the awe that we're yeah. experiencing when we hear those numbers. The first is, I hope it shows us two things. One, how intentional you need to be about spending Mm -hmm. time with other people and a lot of us will have like a couple coffee dates and we're like okay and we expect that to sustain us uh for like the next couple months and it doesn't work that way so i often make the joke if you know i wonder if after coffee if we could see like a a time counter on each other's foreheads and we're like okay we're at 36 hours do you want (laughs) to see a movie next weekend you know i wonder how that would change things if we could see it um but the other thing that i hope that that gives us um as a takeaway is you are gonna have to be intentional about the people who you want to prioritize as like your top tier people because time uh-huh. is a limited resource. And so my extroverts who want to work the room and spend time with everybody, you are going to experience plentiful friendships that have no depth. Because you cannot spend 200 hours with 15 friends. And so who are those top three to five people who it really matters to you to like grow something meaningful with them? That's who you're going to need to kind of dedicate some time to maybe more than others. Um, So, you know, there are a couple of ways that 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 research finding can inform how we operate in friendship. But if you do show up one time and it felt okay, and then you don't make plans to hang out again you are going to end up feeling empty again because it's like you've burned out that that fuel you need more hours
0: mm-hmm. okay i'm i mean i didn't i wasn't surprised by those answers i'm like i'm thinking about my friendship with amy and and i was like yeah, that sounds about right like it just mm-hmm. it just takes time when i think back on it it took time and it took intention and one of the things that she did from the get go which i think is kind of rare <laughs> and also it works and it helps just put everything out there is that when we met for the first time, it's kind of a funny story. Um, we met at the coaches training Institute where the, it's the, um, the, the school that we were trained in life coaching. And when you are done with all of the, the weekend classes, you can come back and be an assistant to the master coaches. And so that's how we met. We both came back and we were assistants. And at the end of the weekend, they do this sort of ritual where they put all the chairs in a circle and everyone goes around the room and you have like a couple of minutes to say whatever you want to say to the group. And then at the end you say, and I am complete. And so she I was first and I you know, said all the things I was supposed to say. I was so proud of all of the students there and thank you to the leaders and blah, blah, blah. So then it's Amy's turn and she's sitting next to me and she starts crying and she just is very emotional and she's talking to the whole group and she turns to me and she says, and you, I am so glad I met you. I have been trying to manifest friendships and you Mm. came into, and she's like giving me all these compliments. I was so uncomfortable, Danielle. Like- (laughs) it was like what <laughs> is happening but she's very demonstrative and i don't recommend that for everyone unless that's your personality but my point is is that she told me like she could have done it privately like I've been like hey i dig you <laughs> it was this kind of grand gesture which is so her but my point is is that she laid it all out there and was like hey I like you and I am, I am really trying to have more friendships in my life. And if you like me too, I would love to be your friend. And I mean, I probably wouldn't go about it the way that she did, but that was such an example of someone who just says right from the beginning, um, Hey, (laughs) I want to be your friend. But also I think was, was really telling that she had made it a goal in her life. She was like, I am going to make more friends, like good, good friends and going to take some time. Yeah,
1: yeah, and I appreciate. I know some of us could be like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, slow your roll." But, you I know, was I, very I, much I, like that, yeah. <laughs> and I think I would have been too. You know what? I think I think a lot of us would be, which is so funny because we're here saying like, "I'm going to say what I want, and put myself out there," but if somebody does it to me, I'm be like, "Whoa, what's what's going on?" <laughs> and I think that is a paradox a lot of us live in because we think, "Well, the person who doesn't have friends, what's wrong with them?" But at the same time, like, we want friends too. But then to say it out loud, we're like, "Well, what's well, what's wrong that you don't have them?" and It's so foreign to us to declare affection early on in a platonic context. Now, romantically a guy who you're into or a guy's like, Hey, I really like you. Or like, you're beautiful. You're we're like, Ooh, okay. You know, Uh but with the woman, we're like, well, like what's going on? Like, does she not have friends? And it's just such an interesting way that we relate to other women platonically. And then, you know, our romantic partners. Um, but yeah, but good for her for saying what she, she needs. Um, I wonder if it's foreign too, because so much of, um, our communication as women, um, is, intuitive and it's subtext. And we have a lot of ideas circulating around like, she just gets me, we have this chemistry, it's unspoken. And it's a very romantic notion. Um, But I think the other side of that is, you know, when somebody does say something aloud, we feel some kind of way about it because we believe everything should just kind of be like, organic and unspoken, but then it leads to a lot of misunderstandings, right. We've seen that before where it's like, well, I shouldn't have to say it. Like my friend should just know. And then the friends, how could you not know? Yeah. 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 So, you know, so good for her for saying it, but I know that, you know, at the end of the day, it's about compatibility and, and, and a reciprocal interest and things like that.
0: Okay. I know it's an unusual story. It is kind of funny and she tells it (laughs) a little bit differently, but I have a question for you about this one particular topic that I opened my big mouth one time we were, I was playing tennis with a bunch of women and someone made this comment and I'm curious how you would respond to this. It was just some casual conversation about, about women or something. And one of the women said, well, you know how women are. They're so catty mm-hmm. or we're so catty or something like that. What did, what would you say in response to that? I can already tell based. On- <laughs> <laughs> oh. I, I had a feeling you were going to say, yeah, we are. <laughs> Oh
1: God, that's rough. Um, well, you're asking me two different questions. Cause you're asking what I would say. And then there's like the advice I'd give to someone. To say.
0: <laughs> <laughs> can, you, can you give me both? If they're different, I, I would yeah. love to know <laughs> like in a casual context where you're not, um, Danielle, the friendship yeah, expert
1: right. and that's you so knew funny. these
0: women, at least, you know, they weren't like your besties, but you were friends with them. What I'm curious. Yeah. What
1: say. Oh God, that's hard. I think th- I got it. Okay. Let me be honest. Let me keep it real. Okay. If, if I were out there in that situation and woman said, well, you know, women are so catty, I think I probably would make a playful joke about, oh my gosh, come on. You, you, you're perpetuating that stereotype too, or something like that, where I'm doing the <laughs> girl yeah, stop yeah. kind of uh-huh. thing, you know, playfully to like engage in conversation or I maybe say something like, well, not all of us, or I'm not catty or something to try to challenge your ideas or whatever. Um, but you know what? I, I will say, I, there are a lot of reasons for these stereotypes of us being catty, petty, things like that. And you know what? I blame it on the patriarchy. And yes. here is why. Here is <laughs> why. Okay. <laughs> I'm learning a lot about relational aggression and, and both men and women do it, but it's where you know we covertly uh, maybe get back at another woman, but because we are not taught conflict resolution Mm -hmm. right. How to work through it. No one's teaching us that at like eight years old. Okay. It's just be nice. That's supposed to be a cover all for everything. Be nice. So I don't know how to work through this with this girl. Right. Um, and because I'm supposed to be likable, I don't want to detract from that by telling you I have an issue with you. So I'm just going to be like, yeah, no, no, we're good. We're good. But I'm going to go talk to other people about it, but not Mm -hmm. necessarily because I want to be sinister and shady and, and manipulative, but because, you know, I'll get a bad rap. If I tell you to your face, I'm problematic, I'm confrontational. I'm being a bitch. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So we Difficult. go, and we work out those scenarios with somebody else in a safe space, but that's, I'm gossiping about her. And so, you know, personally, I've seen the way in which society culturally is set up so that we have to go underground with our aggression and our issues because it's not attractive or acceptable to do it outwardly the way a man would do um and then you know the, my final suspicion for that is possibly because too like we're very relational and we um we value connection so we don't want to outwardly be like oh this is an issue that's an issue and we want to preserve our connections so maybe that looks like you know suppressing how we feel maybe it comes out in a little passive aggressive way, or maybe we just don't invite you to the next uh, social thing mm-hmm. that we have instead of tell you. And, you know, so I think there's a lot at play, but I, I do wish that we would maybe stop perpetuating that whole idea of, like women are so catty as if it's something that's just inherent to being a woman.
0: Right. Yes. Thank you for that. I, you know, fist pumping over here. I, <laughs> I, when it happened, I think I said something along the lines of, um, well, I have a different perspective on that. And, mm. you know, I think it's a cultural stereotype that we still buy into. And also, you know, we're raised differently than, than boys are. And, and I had, I had just done some research now I forget. Cause it was a long time ago. I just did some research for my last book where I talked about that and how, and, and just even as like you were saying, like growing up, just the fact that boy, little boys are encouraged to rough house mm. teaches them resilience And we don't get the same, we don't get the same lessons. Um, and, and what was interesting too, is that I noticed this with, with my, my husband, who's, who's my second husband, but the way that men raz each other Mm -hmm. and just shovel shit back and forth. And I asked him one time, I'm like, you guys are kind of assholes to each other. Like, is this, is this like a guy thing? And he's like, yeah, it just is kind of what we do. And I'm like, and it doesn't, bother you? And he's like, no, I think for the most part with your friends, there are some boundaries that you just, you know, like places you just don't go. And I found that so fascinating. And I'm like, women typically were not like that. And like you were saying, maybe it's because there's so much subtext and we're like, what does she mean by that? Like,
1: (laughs) yeah. yeah. And also, you know, research shows that we, uh, that women value um, egalitarianism in their friendships. So we are, it's almost like an unspoken rule that we're supposed to establish sameness. And so it's like, oh my God, me too, me too. So if you are roasting me playfully, then you're taking away from the fact that you and I are supposed to be the same. So if you're like, oh my gosh, girl, with your, with your, you know, um, chipped polish or with your, uh-huh. you know, scuffed up shoes or like, you know what I'm saying? It's like, oh, okay. Or you know how you can get Danielle. haha. It feels like, oh, yikes, because we're supposed to, like, I value us being the same but men you know it's it's about status with them and so it's almost understood that we're gonna rise and who's better and who's worse and we can be totally fine but for women again since we're so um appreciative of connection it's important to us to maintain like me and you are the same um it would for some people fray that friendship to feel like she thinks she's better in any kind of way or to playfully point at things that might be an insecurity it's like a whole thing
0: yeah. Yeah. I mean, this even goes into a bigger conversation about internalized misogyny um, Mm -hmm. and that and it you know it ties into competition and how many many women are are raised even in homes where they're taught to compete with each other for the attention and affection and resources of the patriarch they're you know usually their father
1: mm-hmm. and
0: um it's just it's that's another conversation for another time <laughs> but the, <Yeah. laughs> the the last question i want to ask you is so you're a certified friendship coach and where would a woman be in her life where she would need a friendship coach and um and if you have time like what do you, what do you do to help them? Do you have like a, um, like a methodology that you take people through or is it sort of custom-based?
1: Yeah. I appreciate you asking that. I always say, I think that, you know, I always say if if you overheard a woman, you know, while you're waiting for the subway or, or in a coffee shop and you overheard her saying like, yeah, I'm talking to my friendship coach tonight. You might be like, what like, you know, is she mm-hmm. uh, struggling being social? Does she know how to talk to people? Like what does a friendship coach do? And I get that. I always say, I think people would be surprised to know that maybe 75%, 80% of the women I work with are high achieving, mm-hmm. charismatic, charismatic, uh, life of the party women who are strategic in every other area of their lives and they approach friendship the same way. Hey, I need to know why this transpired with me and my friend. Hey, I want to have a talk with my friend, but oh, I'm not sure how to say this. I want to work out some scenarios with you. They are women who Approach the rest of their life in a very intentional way, and they see friendship is just the same. Women who maybe moved to a new city, and they're like, Okay, how do I go about, you know, creating a new network here? Um, so it's very strategic in that way. Um, but women come to me, you know, number one issue hands down is how to make friends and it always comes with some kind of qualifier so how do i make friends as a new mom as a as an introvert Uh as a military spouse as a woman who has changed and evolved and i want new friends who understand this new me you know so how do i make friends is number one um the second issue is probably something around um i feel like i initiate more than my friends or i give more than my friends give, is a big one um and then the third would probably be trying to work through how to address something really tender with a friend because it's like eating you up for long enough. And you mm-hmm. want to do something, but you don't know how. And so those would be like the top three things. Um, and as far as working through it, you know, I'm very quick to, to explain. I am not a therapist. Many women use me in a supplementary way. They already have a therapist. Right. But they come to me because they're and, you know, they're ready to like take action on something. Um, so we do talk about, you know, what happened, what's going on, what's your friendship history looking like? What are your expectations? And once I understand all those things, we start working toward, OK, what are some of the outcomes that you would like to have and what could you do to get there? And it's a big thing to help them understand we're co-creating these strategies together based on your relationship with this woman, based on your Mm -hmm. personality, based on what makes you feel comfortable. I can't give a, a one size fits all script for all these women. They're all very different. And also the personality of your friend might be different. You might be working with somebody who's very defensive, and so you're like, how do yeah. I address this? I know she's going to pop off, you know? And so every woman's different, um, but I, I definitely see different themes emerge. And it's uh, it's a blessing to be in a space where they trust me that's, with something that's so um, fragile and tender and personal for them.
0: Yeah, and important. I love that. Thank you so much for explaining that. Um, betterfemalefriendships.com. All the links will be in the show notes. We'll for sure have you on when your book comes out. Is there any other place that you want to send people besides we'll have your TikTok link and your website anywhere else you have a podcast too right
1: yeah the podcast is friend forward and that comes out every thursday nice
0: awesome thank you so much for being here i have is there anything else that we didn't cover that you want to circle back to or do you feel complete
1: No, your questions were great. And I also really appreciate that you were sharing your friendship stories too. It just like makes it such a richer conversation. So I really appreciate that.
0: Well, next time I have you on, we can talk about all the ways that I was a shitty friend (laughs) and that that I have since got circled back. I think with, I think with all of them. Yeah, definitely. Um, And that's why Facebook is so great to be able to find people and like made, made amends where I, where Mm. I needed to. And that's been, you know, so healing for at least for me, I can't speak for the other person, but they, they told me, you know, like, thank you for, um, and it was, I think it was just probably typical young woman stuff, mistakes made that I didn't, I didn't know how to be a good friend. I didn't know. No Mm. one ever taught me. It's not that I had terrible modeling of friendships. I just didn't, no one teaches this really. It's a, except you and (laughs) other people. So anyway, yeah, I have, I just, I also want to say I've definitely been there on the other side and, um, and had to, had to clean up some messes. So thank you everyone for listening. I appreciate your time so much. And remember it's our life's journey to make ourselves better humans and our life's responsibility to make the world a better place. Bye for now. Hi there. Swing back by to say one more thing. You know how I'm always giving advice over here on the show and on social media, and a couple of those things is that I'm always telling you to ask for what you want, be clear about it, and also ask for help. So I am taking a dose of my own medicine, and I'm going to do that right now. It would be the absolute best and mean the world to me if you reviewed and subscribed to this show, Make Some Noise podcast, on whatever podcast platform of your choice. And even more importantly, it would matter so much if you shared this show. Sharing the show is one of the few ways the podcast can grow, and that also gives more women an opportunity to make some noise in their lives. You can do that by taking a screenshot when you're listening on your phone and sharing it in your Instagram or Facebook stories. If you're on Instagram, you can tag me at hey Andrea Owen, and I try my best to always reshare those and give you a quick thank you DM. And also you can tell your friends and family about it. Tell them what you learned, tell them a really awesome guest that you found on the show that you started following. Whatever it is, I appreciate so much you sharing about this show.